Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fresh Start Podcast, a show where we share success principles, explore the stories, experiences, and journey of real people in order to provide newcomers with strategies to succeed. My name is David Ojenka. On today's episode, I'll be talking to Farhana Mapo. Farhana is the Director of Strategic Initiatives at RBC Capital Markets. And she's a delivery-oriented professional who is passionate about transformational change and developing world-class implementation capabilities. Prior to RBC, she worked at CIBC, Canada Life, and Teva Pharmaceuticals. In these roles, she led large-scale programs and change management in risk, regulatory compliance, and retail functions. She holds a bachelor's degree in biochemistry from University of Toronto, a master's in business administration from Ryerson University, the Ted Rogers School of Management. Farana, who is passionate about philanthropic work and advancing women in leadership roles, gives back to the community by volunteering at Women in Leadership Foundation, as Toronto Chapter Ed, and Isa's Teddy Bear Foundation as an executive director. Please help me in welcoming Fahana Mabo. Thank you, David. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today, Fahana. Um, so let's get right into it with the time we have here together. A lot of people move to Canada. A lot of people come to Canada for different reasons. Tell us about the early days and what did growing up look like for you? So I grew up in three distinctly different places. I was born in Bangladesh. I grew up in the United Arab Emirates in a small town called Al Ain. And I moved to Canada with my parents when I was 18 to live in Toronto, primarily to pursue better education. I grew up with my family um, and, and my family was our four siblings. We were really focused on our education and that's something that my parents had ingrained in our DNA. So cultural adjustments, whether it was a Middle East or Toronto was kind of embedded in our lives. Um, and outside of that, growing up was, uh, was a happy home with lots of fights with my siblings. I'm curious, at what point did you decide that, you know what, even though I did biochemistry in the university, I thought I was going to go into, I was going to go on the path of medicine, but now I'm in the pharmaceutical industry. I've had enough in this industry and I want to switch. I want to try something different. At what point did you decide that you've had enough? What led to it and how did you make that switch? Um, with respect to, I think it really took me, to be honest, a very long time to, uh, to, um, finally feel like I've had enough in the pharmaceutical industry. Right after I actually graduated from biochemistry, um, again, like the pharma industry seemed like a natural pathway. I worked for many years in a global pharma, uh, almost 10 plus years. And, and they really were very good. So I never felt like I needed to leave. They gave me a really strong professional foundation. They promoted me for multiple roles, supported me through my MBA, you know, gave me global roles that broadened my mandate. Um, but I slowly started to move away from that typical laboratory and, and biochemistry type of roles. And, and I was doing more of that strategic program delivery types of roles. And that's when I, it kind of clicked in. 
And I realized that that's my forte. I really like delivery. I really like influencing people. I, I, I love um, change management. So in my last year of pharma, I was a portfolio manager. And, and in that role, I was doing large-scale transformational programs. And, and that's a sort of a skill set and experience that I felt was would be well recognized in, in a banking industry, right? Where you're able to deploy your strategic thinking, multitasking, strategic delivery skills are highly valued. Um, so then I decided, and that was at that point, I, I decided to switch industries. And it was partly because my husband, who's also in the banking, um, you know, felt that, you know, why don't you start to network with a couple of people and see if there is a fit? Um, and, and you know, I started to network with a few um, uh uh, folks that he had introduced me in one of those big FIs and uh, through sort of project leadership uh, roles, I was able to quickly transition myself to the banking and the rest is history. Great. That's interesting. Now to the switching parts, because a lot of people, especially with this COVID-19 going on, some people have lost their job. Some people are rethinking their career path, their career journey. And also people are thinking a lot about what is next post-COVID. I know that you made the switch pre-COVID. Now, my question is, for someone who is also trying to make a similar jump like you did, can you give us practical tips or practical steps that you took or strategies that helped you to be able to make that move. What were your fears? How did you combat those fears? What were the challenges? How did you navigate your journey? And what are the strategies that you would pass across to those people who are trying to make a similar move? Sure, David. I think I'll start with my challenges. To be honest, you know, after spending some 10 plus years in a pharma industry, I really didn't know where to start. I, I was recruited into the pharma company uh, right after school. Um, and and I, I didn't even have my resume ready when I was when I felt like I wanted to um, switch. I, I didn't know how to build my story, how to showcase my resume, I, and I actually didn't even know how to network with people. So, you know, one of the biggest things, as you may recognize, is people giving you a chance when when they know that you don't have an experience, right? And and my biggest challenge was to convince somebody to give me a chance when I have zero banking experience. And it was like, the challenges were really multifaceted, to be honest. It's, uh, I didn't have the banking experience. I had no formal training certifications within that would be recognized within the banks. I didn't know anybody who would sponsor me. And I didn't really speak the bank language. Um, you know, you, you, as you can imagine, there's a lot of acronyms and there's a lot of language that you, um, that, 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 that would show that you have transferable skills. So that was my challenge. But the way I, I, I really um, mitigated that is, um, I would say, network, network, and network, right? And, and, and don't slow down. Um, when I was trying to switch industries, I think I may have requested about some 200 people to talk to me, out of which maybe five people said, okay, that they will chat with me and guide me and, and coach me and tell me how to land a role uh, into banking. And those were my hooks. Um, had I given up because of the number of rejections uh, and the no replies, I, I don't think I would be here. Secondly, I think um, being able to tell a story of who you are, what you bring to the table, why you want to switch and why you deserve a chance is, is really important. And being really genuine and authentic about your story is really important. 
um, I would say storytelling has really been a big part, uh, has, has become a big part of me, of being able to um, just switch industries, switch roles. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, would, I would leave you with this last tip, David, um, and for the audience, is that have the story ready in your head. And if it doesn't convince you, I'm pretty sure it's not going to convince the person that you're telling it to. Mm-hmm. That's very, very interesting. I like, I like the final parts. If it doesn't convince you, it's not going to convince your audience. Interesting. That's very good. Um, you said some very interesting things in the last conversation. You said you didn't know how to network. You didn't know who would sponsor you. You didn't know who would mentor you. But you still reached out to people and you emphasized that people should network, network, network. Can you tell us in your own experience, practical tips or practical steps that you took to eventually get a yes from those five people? There is, there is a couple of things, David, that I did, right? So I, I, there was a lot of research um, that, uh, that I, I did early on before I reached out to people. So okay. um, I was engaged in corporate news. I, I, I looked them up on LinkedIn to understand, to understand their backgrounds. I did cultural research on companies, um, you know, through, through their communities, as well as, you know, job coaches. I would say that there's a lot of tools uh, that are available currently that you can actually look at, evaluate. Like what? Like I would say LinkedIn is there's, there's LinkedIn, there's company uh, sites that you can go into. So typically if you look at a job description and you feel like, okay, this is great. I, this is my future job. I would say, you know, look at your resume, start to sort of carve out. This is, this is the job that I want. These are the skills that I have. What is it that I need to gain versus what, what do I have currently to show that, that whole um, uh, suitability to show that I have transferable skills. So that's a, that's a sort of a story and that's sort of an equation assessment that you need to do in your head. And sometimes you need to do on paper to really convince somebody that you're talking to that um, this is what I'm able to bring to the table because I already, I've already done the job, maybe not in your organization, maybe not in your industry, but somewhere else. And you, you also mentioned that you didn't know who would sponsor you. You didn't know who would mentor you. Now, tell us more about mentorship. How has that helped your career? And how have you selected your mentors? And why is it important? Um, I would say early days in my career, I, I really didn't have an opportunity to choose the, the mentors and the sponsors. I think I, I do have the privilege now. Um, but very early on in my career, I, I really do attribute my successes and, and where I am today to those very few mentors and sponsors who may have taken a little bit of interest um, in understanding who I was and what I aspired to do. They just took a chance on me and, and that really, David, happened by pure luck. Um, I have some mentors in pharma, some in banking, um, Really, they had no reason to believe in me, but they did. They've become my lifelong coaches. And even people who I can call friends, I can pick up the phone and I can reach out to them and help them and ask me to, and, and help, help. I can, you need to edit this part, but I can pick up the phone and reach out to them and, and ask, ask them to help me navigate through crisis, whether it's big or small. 
Um, I also firmly believe, to be honest, uh, you know, every successful person um, has a very strong supportive partner and family in my life because my husband was already in banking. Um, he had a footprint in banking, he had a good network in banking. Uh, he's been my biggest supporter and really encouraged me um, and coached me to make the jump from uh, pharma to finance. And he was instrumental in, in making those uh, connections and, and networking and, and paving the pathway for me. Now, some people will hear your story and say, well, for Anna, it seemed like very perfect. Everything seemed to be going on for you. Everything seemed to be working out for you. Can you tell us some of the major odds that you've personally faced? How did you overcome them? And when, where did you find strength in difficult times? So I think, I think many of us face challenges, um, you know, one time or the another um, to showcase uh, that they're able to perform in a role that has not typically um, had had a lot of diversity before. So capital markets, to be honest, has been a great way for me to showcase my talents um, and what I bring to the table um, in what, in, in many ways that has not been a very traditional business, at least in Canadian firms, to have a lot of diversity um, of gender, cultural backgrounds, and global talent uh, shifts. Um, I would say really the my strong source of strength has been the network of professional peers uh, from all genders and cultural backgrounds have really helped me navigate um, challenging professional de decisions and, and build situational resilience, I would say. Thank you so much for that. Often in your career, I'm sure sometimes you're a minority, perhaps the only woman in the room, the person with an accent. Did this affect you on your professional path? And how did you navigate situations in which you might have felt more alone? To be honest, David, I, I personally feel very lucky to have had some opportunities to work in some great organizations where leadership is very attuned to understanding the importance of diversity and inclusion. So I seldom feel that my voice is not heard. But, but having said that, I, I, there has been many situations in my career that I felt alone on my journey as a woman, as a person of color, somebody with a foreign accent. And the method that, that personally helped me is to get guidance and coaching from senior female leaders and leaders from diverse backgrounds who've walked this path before me, um, been in, have been in similar situations and have navigated their careers successfully. So this is, this is really a big part of why I took on the role of uh, Toronto Chapter Lead. Uh, in Women in Leadership Foundation. It really makes me feel like I'm part of a like-minded professional organization and, and, and have the small ability to influence, build awareness in whatever small way through my contributions at will to advance a, a really important dialogue that, that's required in today's world. Thank you so much for that. Now, some people are in a similar situation that you were a few years ago when you were trying to make that switch. What advice would you give to someone who is trying to make a career switch just like you did a few years ago? I would say, David, you know, you have to be curious about doing things better, right? Nothing beats grit. Um, I was always curious about leaders and, you know, successful role models, I was curious about, you know, what they did, how they did it, how they got there. Um, and and I, I constantly asked, you know, what have they done to make themselves successful? I've listened, I've executed on their guidance. 
and and again i know i've repeated this a couple of times nothing beats hard work there's no two ways about it i tell my kids that all the time if you work hard you will be noticed you will beat competition and and that's just the way of life now let's go to the newcomers what are the biggest mistakes you see newcomers make i would say the biggest mistake that i've seen newcomers make is really close mindedness and unwilling to adapt or pivot so you know, a big part of moving into a new world is to really keep an open mind. You have to continue to grow, adapt, learn, respond. But but that doesn't mean that you have to let go of your value systems. You can still hold on to that, but really come with the mentality that you have to grow, adapt, and you have to learn. What are some of the biggest myths you see people make with newcomers? So um, funny you ask that because I think many people think that newcomers can't speak English that well or or may not have been in in really developed cosmopolitan environments before coming to Canada. So I grew up in UAE, United Arab Emirates. And as you know, David, it is a very developed and urban country. Uh, but I, I remember uh, being asked by some of my classmates as I grew up if I was surrounded by camels. Uh, I, I took that in a zest, and 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 it was an, it, it was a bit of a window of, of you know for me to see um, how many around me evaluated me. So as, as fact would have it, most immigrants are highly educated because our immigration policy ensures that we have that we are. And, and so communicating is, is less of a problem now than ever. I think the challenge uh, is really cultural expectations and how they clash between traditional Canada and the newcomers. Uh, I, I would still say that uh, now it's, it's fairly natural for people to have a uh, first impression of me that may not really be fully an accurate picture or an accurate presentation of who I am. Um, but it, it is really up to me to engage and deliver in a manner that that really defines who I am, what my drive is, and what I ultimately deserve. So your, your response now leads me to something very important. Where do you draw the line between ambition and being impatient? That's a really interesting question. Uh, you know, very early on in my career, a mentor actually told me that you can be ambitious, but an ambition without putting in the hard work is just foolish. And I, I really took it to heart. So I, I do feel that, you know, um, being ambition, ambitious is not a bad thing. In fact, everybody should be ambitious, but you should also um, fill your ambition with goals, with objectives, with, with a clear pathway as to what's driving that. Because without that, an ambition is meaningless. You've thought on this a little bit before, but let's, I want you to expand on it. How the great people have had a mentor at some periods of their life, someone who has inspired them and helped them to their greatness. Talk to me about the mentor in your life and who has influenced you the most. Absolutely, David. I, I attribute my successes and where I am today to those very few mentors and sponsors who decided to take some interest in who I was and what I aspired to do. They believed in me enough to take a chance on me. Um, and uh, I, I have many mentors, uh, to be honest, from, from pharma, from banking, and, and they have become my lifelong coaches and, and now friends. Um, I can pick up the phone and reach out to them to help me navigate through crisis, whether it's big or whether it's small. Um, I, also, I also firmly believe that behind every successful person 
is, is a strong supportive partner and family. My husband, who's also um, in, in banking, has been my biggest supporter. And he's the one who first encouraged me to make the jump um, into finance. And, and in the initial days, helped me network and navigate my way through, through sort of the norms of the banking culture. The question some people will be asking is, okay, Farhana, did you just go to those people and say, hey, I want you to be my mentor? Or, hey, I want you to sponsor me? How did that happen? It was a bit of a natural fit, to be honest, David. I, you know, I, I pinged a lot of people to, to see if I could network, ask them about, um, you know, guidance in my career, um, ask them about, you know, what is, what sort of talent they look for um, in order to hire, to, 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 to assess a good fit in their teams. And I think the conversation really um, evolved. I kept in touch over the years and within, at some point during that time, um, I think it, there was a natural fit um, and there was sort of a natural discussion where, which resulted in them taking that interest in, and seeing my career progression and, and taking me on a, as a mentee. Uh, I think that's how the mentor-mentee relationships evolved for me. With respect to the sponsor uh, and the difference between sponsor and mentors, I find a lot of sponsors in, my, um, in, in, in the environments that I work or so in your professional organization, you'll find um, a lot of uh, senior stakeholders or senior leaders taking a little bit of interest in you and moving you from role to role. And I, I, I will say that uh, a lot of my roles have been a tap in the shoulder where somebody took some interest in me and said, you know what, let's give Farhana a chance in this new role because she seems very hardworking. She's, um, she seems like she can do a job and, and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll train her in the remainder of the gap, right? So uh, I think those are, are some of the sponsors that, that I have had in my professional um, environment. And they've moved me from role to role to give me that, that broadened mandate and develop my skill set and, and take me to the next level. Finally, imagine sitting across a newcomer or immigrant or even an international student. What advice would you give to them to navigate their journey? Okay, so I think, I think really your authenticity is what will make you most valuable for, for the job market. You, you really need to demonstrate what you bring uniquely to the table to your employers and you need to demonstrate that in the most genuine and authentic way. Um, you should be able to connect your talents um, with what the company culture that you're targeting demands, right? So um, how that how the company would operate and engage with its clients and marketplace, what what is valuable for that company? So you have to you have to start to draw those um, those laterals and those parallels and 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 those tran uh, transferable skills. Many immigrants, uh, I do feel, is is not are not savvy right off the bat about it uh, but but the way they can mitigate that is to really start to engage and more in corporate news uh, you know um, look through LinkedIn uh, do cultural research on companies uh, through their communities and and get job coaches right and and a lot of people that I know have been able to land relatively strong roles utilizing the these types of tools to their advantage I, I, you also need to sort of recognize that it, it is, a, is a marathon and you need to be highly resilient to, to break into um, the job market and the job market, recognizing that this environment will have specific biases to you having local experiences, skills, education. So really, you know, uh, keep looking for opportunities where people are taking a chance on you or even, you know, uh, 
decide to take on a role um, that, that may offer an internship or co-op, which gives you an opportunity to prove your skill set to the, to the organization or to the hiring manager. And then I would say that, you know, uh, finally is, you know, establish and maintain a good social media presence, you know, attract relevant news, post your views, um, engage with various forums. There are a lot of free forums that are available that you can engage with peers, ask them questions, what made them successful in their role. Uh, don't give up you know, push through. Thank you so much. I really do appreciate, uh, you know, uh, you having me, David. This is a great opportunity. I hope the audience find uh, my story um, useful in terms of, you know, drawing those uh, transferables and, and, and you know, um, I hope they find it useful in terms of, you know, finding, finding those parallels in their, in their careers. And, and if they're looking to do industry jumps, this, strategy this technique this methodology worked for me and i hope that it works for them as well thank you so much for hannah i really appreciate this thank you thank you so much for joining us on this episode of fresh start if you enjoyed this episode please share with someone you know and love please go ahead and subscribe on any platform you listen to your podcast and also please take a moment to leave us a review because that would help us to reach more audience. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at FreshStartUp. If you know any newcomer you think would be a good fit to interview for the podcast, we'd like to hear from you. Please go to www.thefreshstartup.com to nominate someone. We appreciate you and remember, no matter how hard the past is, you can always begin again. Take care and have a great week.